Welcome to the Women on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Sam Saperstein. This mentor moment comes from the Equality Lounge at Davos during the World Economic Forum. Our expert guest is Dan Chait, co-founder and CEO of Greenhouse. Dan, thank you so much for joining us for this mentor moment on the Women on the Move podcast. It's great to have you on with us. It's great to be here. So we have a very timely question from our community, which I think here at Davos especially we're really talking about. And here's a question. As a manager, I want to make sure I'm creating an environment of belonging with a strong culture. What are the best ways you've seen this done? What a great question. And this is something we could talk about for days. I think probably the top thing I would start with is intentionality. In other words, if you care and you bring that intentionality that I want to create a culture of belonging and inclusion, that's where it all begins. Without that, there's no magic step or secret incantation you can make that will make an inclusive environment. It takes dedicated work. It takes time and attention away from other things that might also be important. And so if you can bring that intentionality as a leader to the table, that's the starting point for all of this. I think beyond that, you need to look past the surface. Things like where did the person go to school? What industry have they worked at? What's their current job title? You need to look past those surface things to get at who the person is and what is their potential. And when you think about people through the lens of potential, you can then identify ways that they can contribute and opportunities for them to be in your organization that they may not have done already. And we think about what belonging and inclusion really means. It's allowing people the space to do their best work, to be their full selves. And only through that idea of who could they become and what are they capable of of contributing, can you get there? And so what that looks like to make it a little bit more tangible is taking apart a career ladder, for example. You don't just move up the ladder level by level, but moving across into different job categories, cross-training into different opportunities. It looks like in today's age, remote work, a huge topic. Everybody's working in hybrid and distributed environments. What does the access to power look like? How are you showing up on a meeting when five people are in the room and one of them is on Zoom? And what are your meeting norms and cultural expectations for people speaking on the Zoom versus people speaking in the room? If you pay attention to those type of details, they can really open up the conversation around what does it mean, who's included, and provide space for people to do their best work. How do you see companies now trying to measure inclusion? This seems to be the next frontier beyond the diversity and the equity, but really that belonging is more intangible and might be hard to judge. And more important than ever, because of the old saying that diversity starts with inclusion, that if you just start as a top of funnel thing, hey, we're going to hire more X looking people, but you're not prepared for those people to show up and do their best work and the organization doesn't accept them, then you're just wasting everyone's time and frustrating. And then you're going to learn, oh, it doesn't work and go back to square one. So it does start with inclusion. How to measure it? I mean, the most common way I see is through surveys. You ask people about their feelings of work and do they feel like they can show up and do they feel like they belong? The trick there is oftentimes the averages can hide the real truth. And so you can look at a company and go, hey, we just did our employee engagement survey. 85% of employees are happy. We're good. That's a pretty good number. It's a solid B, right? Well, it turns out if you slice it, that by demographic, by office location, by tenure, by age, by job, you can look at it in 10 different ways. What you identify often are pockets of people where there really are problems. And if you don't do that work of looking through the data and sifting it, you'll miss those things. In fact, you'll trick yourself into thinking that things are great. It's not just only about running the survey, but it's about using that data to then drive action. So, okay, we're running a survey. What are we going to do differently? And you need to tell that story back to the organization. If you do a survey 
and the organization never hears back about what happened differently, there's survey fatigue. But if you actually stand up and you have a leader do it, this is not an HR thing, this is a leadership thing. Have the CEO do it, have the chief revenue officer do it. Hey, here's the survey, here's what we found, here's what we're doing about it. That's where you get the positive feedback cycle. I love that. I think people really then see your intention as you started with, that you're genuine and that you really want to progress. And then they'll be more honest in the next survey and you'll find out new things and the cycle continues. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. The mission of Women on the Move is to help women in their professional and personal lives. Our goal is to introduce you to people with great ideas, inspiring stories, and a passion to make a difference. To learn more about Women on the Move and listen to the full library of this podcast, please visit jpmorganchase.com slash W-O-T-M. For JPMorgan Chase's Women on the Move, I'm Sam Saperstein. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.